0: Way out of here. Oh, this is Baseball Tonight
1: the podcast.
0: This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Friday, May 27, 2022. and today will be better than yesterday. Producing from his home studio in his new home in the foothills of Connecticut is Taylor Schwenk. I'm working from my home in New York. Yesterday, in Detroit, a future Hall of Famer got it done. One, two, swing in a line run.
2: Base hit into center. Tigers win. Scope scores. They pour out of the dugout. <laughs> Miguel with the strut as he crosses first and waits for his teammates to
0: mob him. That would be Miguel Cabrera, future Hall of Famer. Dan Dickerson with that call, 97.1. The ticket. Tigers win the game 4-3. The Royals have been struggling. They're desperate for traction. They played the Twins yesterday, and Bobby Witt Jr. got it done. Now the pitch. Witt swings and lines a
2: shot into the alley. That's a base hit. Merrifield will score. They are going to stop Benintendi at third, and Bobby Witt Jr. has given the Royals
0: a 3-2 lead with a clutch, two-strike, two-out base hit. Steve Fizziak, 6'10 KCSP. With that call, the Royals would hold on to win 3-2. to The ripples from Josh Donaldson's words to Tim Anderson last week and continue to flow outward. On Thursday, Donaldson issued an apology to MLB.com, essentially apologizing to Mrs. Rachel Robinson and the Jackie Robinson family for any distress this incident may have caused. These are Josh's words. Jackie was a true American hero, and I hold his name, in the highest regard. On the podcast here today, we'll hear some of Anderson's interview with Bamani Jones earlier this week. The Twins placed rookie pitcher Joe Bryan on the COVID-19 injured list. The Yankees played the Rays yesterday. Aaron Judge continues to build his case for MVP.
3: Grounded, base hit, Carpenter around third, he's been waved home, he'll score easily. It's an RBI single for Judge. Yankees on the board. It's one nothing.
0: Michael Kay with that call on the Yes Network. Uh, so if Aaron Judge is going for the MVP, you know, was going for Cy Young Award, how about Nestor Cortez? He got it done
3: again. But this guy, just nothing seems to bother him. He talks to people in the dugout. And he's just like, not a care in the world. Two quick outs here in the eighth. Messing around either. Fastball pretty much middle-middle.
0: That was John Flaherty on the Yes Network. Nestor Cortez would go back out to pitch the ninth inning. The Yankees win 7-2. to Here's Cortez
3: after the game. When I went out there for the ninth and all those fans were cheering, I, I mean, I had goosebumps uh, going out to the mound, so it was, it was pretty cool in my journey. I was rushing for sure. Did you try to talk him out of it? Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, he, came, he came to me in the dugout uh, after the eighth inning. He said, how do you feel? I said, I'm, I, I'm going he goes all right so you know and and when he came up to him and and I told basically told him I got more in me and he told me I I, I know you do but you know if you complete this it's going to be 120 plus so um, and obviously you know we're 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 not in a position now to you know to go that deep
0: before that game Tampa Bay's Brooks Rayleigh says a shooting in Texas hits close to home he went to Robb Elementary School where 19 children and two teachers were killed in a mass shooting on Tuesday these are the words from Rayleigh. I walk those halls so I can imagine what they experience each day, and I'm feeling for that community. It's small and a close-knit community, so it's obviously tough. I don't know if there's anything I can do. It's going to take time. In Atlanta last night, Aaron Nola pitched for the Phillies against the Atlanta Braves, and he got help from Udubel Herrera. And the pitch. Swung on, line down the right field line. That's a base hit and going to the corner. In to score is Schwarber.
4: Here comes Romuto. He is being waved home. And the throw comes way up the line. It's a double for O'Dubel. And the Phillies extend their lead. It's
0: three to nothing. Scott Fransky, Sports Radio, 94 WIP. Nolan was a terrific eight and a third innings. And a reminder we have the Phillies playing the Mets on Sunday Night Baseball this weekend. Uh, we've got Pete Alonso wearing the microphone. Freddie Freeman is off to a good start in his first season with the Dodgers, but he hasn't hit for a lot of power until Thursday when he went off.
2: 2-2 pitch from Castellanos, and this ball is drilled to right field. Heading back to the wall, it is gone. A home run, a three-run shot for Freddie Freeman. And the Dodgers lead it 6-0.
0: Freddie Freeman hit three homers, drove in five runs as the Dodgers beat the Diamondbacks, 14 to 1. In a memo that was reported by Jeff Passan, Major League Baseball has scolded clubs over subpar facilities for women. The league sent a letter to teams last week saying numerous club stadiums fall embarrassingly below the high standards, creating an untenable working environment, and that organizations soon must reconfigure their facilities to fix what is deemed unacceptable. We'll be talking with Jessica Mendoza about that coming up in a second. Taylor, what else you got?
3: Buster, the Golden State Warriors, they punched their ticket to the NBA Finals. You know the low post. And Brian Windhorse with the Hoop Collective. They're going to be all over that. We got Heat Celtics game six, I believe, uh, tonight. That's Friday as well. So go, those guys will be covering all of that next week, previewing the NBA Finals. And then those two are going to be crossing their streams. They're going to do their uh, their annual combo podcast. Those guys recapping all the NBA Final games right after they are finished. So check out those guys, the low post with Zach Lowe and the Hoop Collective with Brian Windhorse.
0: For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. We're driven by the search for better. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash buster just go to indeed.com slash buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash buster terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed Jessica Mendoza is an analyst for ESPN Jess how are you doing this week
5: doing awesome covering super regals for college softball
0: awesome Uh, All right, last night, you had the Blue Jays, you had the Angels, you had Shohei Ohtani on the mound, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at the plate, and this is what happened.
3: The 1-1, hammered to left field, down the line. It is gone!
2: Off the foul pole, a solo home run for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He's gone yard in back-to-back games.
0: So, yeah, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hits a home run of Shohei Ohtani, Jess. You played at a high level. You played in the Olympics in a way that I never did. Uh, I want to ask you, internally for Vladimir Guerrero Jr., after losing out in the American League MVP voting <laughs> last year to Shohei Ohtani, and and, and Vladdy Jr. was pretty outspoken this spring about how he felt like he should have gotten more votes. How do you think he
5: felt in that moment? Really freaking good. <laughs> like, just to be able to, sh- I mean, let's be real. I mean, Black road Jr. doesn't need to hit a home run off Shohei Otani to pr- prove his worth. And at the end of the day, he could hit, you know, 10 off of them, and it'll never be what Shohei Otani was last year and being able to pitch and hit. I mean, that's just something that I feel like no player is in the conversation when you're able to have the season that Shohei had, but knowing Vlad Guerrero Jr., like guaranteed it wasn't even so much the moment when he hit it. It's the moment that he's walking up to the batter's box because he is that player that wants to be able to just kind of prove, continue to prove to everyone, you know, and and have that opportunity to be like, oh yeah, you think this guy's better than me? Let me go ahead. Just like I could almost like feel the smirk on his face of just like, uh-huh, what do you got, Shohei? Let's let's go. And in fact, I can even see Vlad being like, you know, I'll pitch to you next inning and we'll see who does better.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And he was suppressing a grin, I think, probably as he was rounding the bases. What was the most uh, the moment when you felt like you were most pleased in sticking it to an opposing pitcher with a big head? Tell me, walk me back to that. When you were, you know, you swing the bat, you know, you got the best of the pitcher. And you run into first base, and, and it's not only like, all right, I got a great hit, but it was also like, oh, take that.
5: Yeah, I mean, there's a few of those um, <laughs>
0: where you just feel. Uh, yes, I know. So, what's your favorite one?
5: Uh, definitely Yukiku Ueno, who was the number one pitcher in the world. In fact, she just pitched in this last Olympics in Tokyo. And we're the same age. I mean, she's been p- playing for a long time. We came up together. And we would play, you gotta understand, we would play in Japan for weeks and weeks and weeks every summer because they were always our biggest competition, PAP Stadium. So we, we spent a ton of time in Japan. They were for sure our number one rival. And to be honest, Buster, like when I was getting up early 5 a.m., running shuttles, doing weights on my own, because a lot of our Olympic training and off Olympic years is on your own. I was picturing Yukiku Awano getting up and training and being like, no, she can't. Like when I wanted to hit snooze button, just kind of take the day off. I'd be like, no, no, no. I know Ueno's up right now. She's training. Like I have to get up so that I know that she has not trained harder than me. And that sounds so silly, but I'm not kidding. And when you get in the batter's box and for me, it was world championships in Beijing and I'm going to blank on the year, but, um, packed stadium, not a single, and because it was in China, like, I mean, obviously proximity to Japan versus the U S like we had 10 fans and it was a stadium that was 20,000 plus, which you gotta understand for softball, like here in the US, our stadiums are maybe three to 5,000. So this was the most fans we'd ever played in front of. 10 people are cheering for us. Everyone else is cheering for them. And I stepped in the box against Dueno, and I just remember almost grinning because I was like, girl, like you have no idea how much you've helped me like train, like become the best. And it's because of this moment right here. And I just, I got you, girl. Like there's no way you're going to beat me. But you know, like the first pitch, she did beat me. She threw me. So she, no one threw harder in the world. She threw like seven, I mean, just equivalent to like one Oh three inside. I fouled it off and put a hole literally in our dugout, the wall because I was so late. <laughs> like that's what you'd imagine is a left-handed bat at the uh, third base dugout. Um, put a hole in the wall. So then I'm like, okay, Jess, like you got this. And of course she came right back to the same spot and I ended up taking her yard and we won the world championships. And it was such a, like, it's the only time I've ever celebrated running around the bases. I was like that person, no matter what the home run, just kind of did my thing, act like you've been there before kind of thing. This one I didn't, I was like jumping around the bases going absolutely crazy. All right. Did you look at her as you
0: made the circle around the bases?
5: Uh, you know, I did write as soon as I, cause it got out quick. I, I hit it like a line drive. And I remember as like, I was like two steps out and I just wanted to see her react. It wasn't like a look at her, like to show her up. It was more of like, I just needed that mental image of like her head down for a moment to kind of be like, yes, like I got her, <laughs>
0: man. Uh, I don't know if I want to play wiffle ball against you anymore. <laughs> <All right. laughs> so someone, y- you can be hard on yourself. Somebody else who's also really hard on himself is Mookie Betts. Uh, I think the first year he made, uh, uh, first year that he sort of emerged as a star during the all-star break. I remember hearing stories, uh, you know, cause you go up to players and say, Hey, what'd you do during the break? If they're not all-stars. And what I heard about Mookie Betts was that he was in a batting cage for three days. <laughs> He was trying to find himself, which I was like, well, that's classic Mookie. Tell me about that.
5: Yeah, I mean, honestly, like being around him in April and just, you know, his quote unquote struggles. I mean, it was like a two week slump and slump like I mean, he was still battling, of course, defensively, all the things right. He's still a great player, but You know, my work now with the Dodgers getting a little bit more inside, like hearing and in that even slump period, I remember he had a game where he still had like two home runs and he immediately started talking about the pitcher that he'd be facing the next day and how he wasn't sure how he was going to do. And Buster, you know this, like the best players that you've covered over the last 30, 40 years can sometimes be the most insecure in their own ability. Like the inability to look themselves in the mirror and see that the talent that Everyone in the world sees. And Mookie Betts is one of those. And I would just like jaw drop, be like, Mookie, like you know, like you just hit two home runs today, like, but it was that like feeling of just like, I gotta come out tomorrow and and do this again and do this again and do this again. Otherwise, I am I am below my expectation of myself. And that I mean to see him in the month of May, it's it's hard work, but it's also just that constant grind for him. Um, to be able to to go out and prove what he believes he can do. Now, I I do know the smile I'm seeing on his face right now, Buster. Of course, I mean, who wouldn't be smiling with nine home runs and like the way that he's played? But I think he's really also trying to make a better effort to enjoy this game and have fun. Um, and that's something, you know, getting married in the off season and you know his his baby girl at home and just being able to kind of enjoy all of it and not be so hard on himself.
0: Yeah, two examples of what you're talking about in terms of confidence. Uh, Two people you and I are very familiar with. Uh, On one end of the spectrum, without a doubt, the most confident position player I was ever around was Derek Jeter, who woke up every day knowing that he was going to win. Like he assumed he was going to get hits. You know, he would always famously, in his first plate appearance, he'd come back to the dugout. He could get blown away, strike out, have a terrible swing, and he'd go back to the dugout and he'd say to his teammates, yeah, he ain't got crap in so many words to his uh, and on the opposite end of that spectrum was Alex Rodriguez, who you I know both well, where, you know, he as great as Alex was as a player day in and day out, it was tough for him. You know, I remember hearing a story when he was with the Rangers, he went five for five and he asked one of his teammates, Hey, how does my swing look? Hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and that's, you're right. Different, even great players can have those doubts. Uh One guy, who is like that too, and is always sort of fretting a little bit, is Freddie Freeman. And I've noticed this over the last month, Jess, uh, the Atlanta Braves have a tremendous first baseman in Matt Olson, who they traded for and signed to a long-term deal right after they uh, felt like Freddie Freeman was going to leave the team. And Matt Olson is a terrific player, but man, watching the Braves day in and day out, I feel like that Freddie was really the anchor of consistent at-bats for that group. Like, you got Austin Riley as a young player. He's going up and down. And Ron Lacuna Jr., he's going up and down. And Dansby Swanson started out terribly, and he's been swinging the bat uh, well of late. And it just feels like now that he's not there, like, man, Freddie Freeman was that guy every day, no matter the pitcher, no matter the situation, he was always going to be that consistent approach with his at-bats. Do you buy it or no?
5: Yeah, well, he's that median, like he's that, the, the simplicity of the way that he plays the game brings everyone back. So you're going to have your eccentric players that are going to be like loud and out there and the personality, but then like also have the low lows and kind of are up and down. And I think that's fine as long as one of your key components. So it can't be, you know, bullpen pitcher. It's somebody that's literally, you know, part of your starting lineup, part of your everyday that's that, that median, that, that rock, that, you know. This is how you play the game when it's 162 every single day. And, and to me, that's even Freddie Freeman's at bats. You watch them, and the consistency that he has, even on outs or days where he's 0 they look the same as the days that he's 3 for 3 with three home runs, or, you know, yeah. like, and, and I think it's so huge to have one of those not every I, I love the eccentric player i mean i think it's what gives the game personality we need in fact you can have eight of those in your lineup but you need the one 100 to kind of bring everyone back to the median of of really what allows you to be more consistent as a player to be able to remind you of like especially on the low low days of getting back to the median getting back to the middle of the simplicity of what the game really is and that's what Freddie, freeman absolutely exemplifies we noted
0: at the top of the show the letter that was sent by major league baseball to teams last week basically saying they had fallen far short of expectations uh, for creating a working environment for women Uh uh-huh and they mentioned that you know they have to do things like get a restroom and have a place where you can have a shower uh uh that sort of thing going forward what'd you make of all that when you read the uh the details
5: You know, I mean, uh, two things. I mean, I'm glad Major League Baseball is saying this is not okay. This is a memo that was sent out before the season that this is mandatory for every facility to have visiting facilities for women, you know, that are traveling with more and more clubs. And that's what we're seeing, Buster, which is great, right? We're seeing more women. Now, I've had conversations with so many women. And and by the way, none of these women want to speak out. None of them want to complain there's that feeling of, we're just happy to be here because there is, there are no other women in these positions, you know, and we're talking coaching. So not media, like this is like strength and conditioning, you know, Alyssa Nakin who's, you know, on the coaching staff for the Giants. So women that are in the dugouts, in the clubhouses, in the locker rooms. And, you know, I had one woman tell me this last year, you know, and we were just like talking, having conversation that she's like, gosh, you know, I wish, um, and there was specific facilities. She's like, She's like, I just wish they would have locks on the bathroom doors that are in the dugout. And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, I've had already probably 14, 15 times where someone has walked in while I'm using the restroom during the game and you know more times than not it's it's an accident it's never you know she's like but if they could just put a lock and i'm sitting there going how much money like let's go to home depot and i'll build a freaking lock like wow And i'm like have you said anything to anyone no i just you know i don't want to i don't want to complain and i'm like no i'm like in guarantee like the guys would want that too <laughs> like i don't think everybody's just okay with like you know open door policy everyone come in and come out and i think some of these things and granted yeah having a shower in a you know, a a place to shower that's private and visiting locker rooms. Um, there's one woman I talked to, um, that was in one of the Florida organizations that ended up quitting her job because it just got to where, you know, again, she didn't want to say anything. Um, but it was more and more and more that she was finding around that, that no one like cared about, like that when she would say something, it was like, yeah, that's kind of how it is. Like, welcome, welcome to baseball. Like you gotta kind of, You know, like you would say to a guy, like, you know, come on, you got to rough it for a little bit. No, that's not roughing it. Like having to be naked in front of other people or the chance of someone walking in is not roughing it. That is something. And she just felt like she didn't want to be the woman that spoke out. And, and I get that, you know, we need more women to speak out, but I am proud that major league baseball has at least made this like, okay, how, how far are we in the season now? And now we're seeing that this is still not okay because we can't have the women depending on just being the ones to speak out and say it needs to be the organizations that are like you know what let's build these women a freaking shower and a bathroom that they can be private in.
0: Yeah, it reminded me from a movie that I'm sure that you saw, uh, Hidden Figures, when you had Katherine Johnson, uh, the the actor who played Katherine Johnson, uh, uh, working for NASA. Uh, has to go on this long walk to go to the bathroom and she has to like walk a mile carrying her stuff uh, as she's trying to get work done. She has to walk all the way back. And it took Kevin Costner's character to basically go in and knock down the signs and say, no, we're going to, we're going to make it so this person can actually do their work while not having to navigate around the system.
5: Yep. No. And that's, and that's what I mean is like, these women's jobs, the reason they're hired is actually to bring their right. talents to baseball, not to go and break down barriers and be that voice that's making change. Like, they just want to go to work and do their job. <laughs> but Like, when you got to use the restroom, like, they don't want someone walking in. Is that is that too much to ask?
0: <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, I you know, hopefully that uh, the memo that uh, MLB sent out is a sign that they'll continue to follow up and be like a border collie and get change. Uh, where change is needed. All right, Jess. Thanks for doing
5: this. Yep, you got it, Buster.
1: All aboard! It's the Ravi Train with Carl Ravitch.
5: Carl Ravitch,
0: Ravi Train this weekend. He's going to be at City Fields Sunday night baseball. We've got the Phillies playing the Mets. And Carl, you grew up in New England, like I did. You rooted for Larry Bird and the Celtics. Sorry about that. You rooted for the Evil Empire. I rooted for Kareem Magic and the Lakers. But I think we agree. Today we are big Celtics fans.
2: Hundred <laughs> percent, yeah. And if that's uh, if that's the case, I apologize for your childhood because uh, rooting for the Celtics and Bird and McHale and Tiny Archibald and Robert Parrish, uh, who heck and Ernie DeGregorio in down years uh, was a separator. That's that's who we took with us to the. Uh, to the outside basketball net and imitated every one of their shots and the McHale little jump hook and the Parrish with your arms extended over your head and Larry Legend's uh, shot, so I apologize for the Lakers thing, but 100%, you know, way way inside the beltway, if the Celtics are able to end this series tonight, then we move the Mets and the Phillies to ESPN versus ESPN too, and we think baseball deserves the biggest stage, so we're rooting for the Celtics tonight.
0: That's exactly what's going on. And by the way, I mean, I stinking hated Larry Bird when I was watching him, and he's going against my Lakers. But as yeah. soon as he retired, man, I missed him. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, missed, I missed watching those games. That I, I don't think you can get anything better than what, what uh, you and I got to experience as fans. Uh, this Sunday, we got Pete Alonso on the mic, which I'm really excited about.
2: Yeah, so I mean, we we've seen like you know it's amazing. He hasn't been around very long, and I go back to the days at uh, Florida when he was playing for the Gators, and his his evolving as a as a human being only only in the sense that we've gotten exposed to him a little bit more because I don't think he's changed very much. I mean, there's very few more sincere, authentic wears emotions on his sleeve, lets you know when he is tunneled and focused and locked in and like. Can't be disturbed. Um, you know, went through the terrible car accident in the spring, and again, humanized himself when he acknowledged to his team, "Like I'm really having a hard time sleeping with this." And you know, my wife saw it all and 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 the vulnerability. And yet, he's you know, he's performing at a level that to me deserves conversation in the same breath as Aaron Judge does. I mean. We talk about challenges. The Mets have recently been challenged by the Yankees and obviously all their World Series, but he, he's uniquely positioned because of Aaron Judge. Like, best power hitter in baseball plays right across the town, and yet your numbers are very similar, and you are responsible for, for the power on your team. And he's delivering. So I think in a, in a weird way, the polar bear is is under 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 recognized, overshadowed. I don't know what the word is, but uh, we lo- I love the guy, and I, I think he deserves a little bit more attention.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you hundred percent, and we are going to give him that attention over the weekend. The Mets are funny, you know. I didn't look at the the updated numbers this morning, but I know going into Thursday's game, they were second in the big leagues in total runs scored. And yet, you know, when you look at the names in the lineup, it's not like you sit there and go, yeah, that, uh, you know, that team reminds me of the the Murderers' Row, 27 Yankees, or, you know, those Red Sox teams with Ortiz and and Manny Ramirez. Uh, it looks like you got like Pete Alonso in this unbelievable supporting cast of consistency of guys who get on
2: base. Well, they, you know, they're, to me, they're a lot more athletic than they've been. Uh, yep. You know, Marte changes things. So, they run the bases. McNeil's been really, really good. Um, Brandon they Nimmo. They just are different. Yeah, Brandon Nimmo. They're just different than the Conforto teams, and this is nothing against Conforto, but there was sort of a plotting nature, and Alonso was part of that plotting nature, to be honest with you, because they all seem to be that way. Look, Lindor's having a much better year. McNeil is hitting. Mark Canna is a terrific addition. Uh, they're pitching better. Uh, Max Scherzer just changes the, the entire appearance of a team, whether he's hurt or not. Look, they look different, they feel different, they play different, and they are different. Heck, Edwin Diaz looks looks different. You know, there, there is a look about them currently that that has you realizing, like, they, they were a bit of a slow-plotting team. And to me, that's the biggest difference.
0: So you also, besides being the play-by-play man for Sunday Night Baseball, you're also the host of the Home Run Derby And I got to believe that one of the questions that you hit Pete with on Sunday night will be, are you going to defend your
2: title, your two-time title uh, in the Derby? Yes. I mean, look, we we can all print the shirts now with a question mark and it, and it literally writes itself three Pete. I mean, is that what we're looking at? Are we going three Pete? Are you going to go and participate in the Derby and win it for the third time? Of course that's, that's going to come up and it's, Look, I've always maintained that the defending champion, barring injury, needs to be in it anyway. Like you have to defend your your title. They do that on yep. the golf tour. If you're if you're the defending champion, you're automatically coming back, and you're trying to win it again. I mean, it 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 literally gets you a, an invite back to that event. And it gets you exemptions on the PGA tour, you win the Derby. I feel like you should have to come back to defend your title. And and in his case, historically, he's always wanted to. Now, if he says I- I've done it twice and I- I'm not interested, but boy, I- I've never I've never seen anybody who's more interested in the home run derby than Pete Alonzo.
0: Oh, there's there's no question about that. Here's the other thing too, Carl. He's got it down. Like whoever uh, you know, whatever, whoever else is in it, and I'm assuming like you that Pete is going to be in it. Whoever else is in it, it's not only a question of, you know, who has the most power, but who has the event down? Who can do it well enough to beat Pete? Because someone's going to have to take it away from him, right? Uh, you know, he had his cousin throw it to him the first year, and his cousin was kind of inconsistent. Then last year, Dave Joust threw to him. Uh, my guess is he's probably going to ask Dave to come back and do it again, or if he doesn't have Dave... Maybe he'll get another coach, but he's got that all figured out. And while a lot of other guys probably had their heart rates at about 180, Pete has it down. Like to me, when we make the choices about who's going to win the Derby, he's going to be the easy choice.
2: Yeah, Buster. I mean, he he came on and sat with us after his round, and it was like a man in a trance. Uh, you, you know, there was sort of a there was a there was a field around him you couldn't penetrate. You would just he would just stare at you because he was. He was that locked in and I think a lot of the I think most of the people that participate in it you know from from Josh Hamilton to Aaron Judge to Giancarlo Stanton to Bryce Harper we, we've seen guys kind of lock in during a round but then they're just gassed and tired and he, he came over to the set and you're like you're you're like you're still at the plate nothing's changed you if a pitch came you'd whack it 400 feet that that's kind of the mode he lived in I'm not sure I'm not sure anyone's interested in getting to the level that he gets to, but he, he <laughs> does get there. And if your goal is to get into the home run derby and win it, well, w- what he's figured out is the way to do that. It's similar to, and pardon the the gut punch here, but it's similar to when Larry Bird would participate in the three point shooting yeah. contest. We're getting on the elevator and we're just asking everyone else who's finishing second. I know I'm winning. I assume Alonzo feels that way when he goes into a home run derby. So the other day when I had
0: Tim uh, on the podcast, I mentioned to him an idea that Eduardo and I kicked around. Uh, and I want to see if you like this idea, because we're now entering those days when Major League Baseball begins to identify uh, potential participants in the home run derby and they begin to reach out to people. Uh, to, to, Eduardo and I were thinking the other day, Carl, it would be fun to have, for one of the eight entrants to be an old guy tag team. In other words, uh, ask Albert Pujols, ask Miguel Cabrera, ask Joey Votto. Hey guys, you know what? We want you to come and be part of it, but you're going to be part of a tag team, and it's our way to honor great players, guys who you know who are future Hall of Famers, uh, by you know sharing in this little tag team thing. I think it would be a blast. I think the players <laughs> would really enjoy it and get a big laugh. Not only with each other,
2: but I think of themselves. Well, I, look, that I, that idea is great. I mean, I think people's kicked around just a tag team idea where Judge but, and Stanton say, okay, sure, we'll we'll go do it as teammates. I'll I'll do round one, assuming we were able to continue. Then Stanton does round two. Uh, but sure, I love the idea of honoring uh, the greatest players that ever played that are still playing. I think that would be. That would be great. And Pujols and Cabrera, Cabrera last night, they've all had their moments this season, but it is a way to recognize them on a unique stage um, and and a way. Now, if I'm Pete Alonso, do I embrace the idea that i got to now go beat Pujols Cabrera at the same time? Do I, do I have to go beat Joey Votto uh, at the same time? And, I don't know, Matt Carpenter, wh- whoever the heck you're, you're choosing as a veteran player. And I don't know how we would qualify. Is it just an age thing? Is it is it numbers? But I love the idea of recognizing, and baseball has done a decent job of that in years past where they recognize the game's greatest players. Sure, it's it's an exhibition. It's a fun thing. Why not celebrate? I, I'm, I'm yeah. on board with that. I'm on board with anything that, with regards to the Home Run Derby because I think it is such a really cool event. In a lot of ways, you and I talk about Little League World Series. The Home Run Derby does the same thing. It, it transcends and breaks just, uh, you know, the people that are generally watching the sport and invites a whole a whole new group in for one night. I'm just imagining
0: that scene. I imagine Albert leading a tag team of old guys, uh, and, and he's 45 seconds into it. He's hit six home runs, and he is gassed. And he just right. ra- you know, raises his hands, and we would all get a laugh as he calls over Miguel Cabrera. Uh, to take over for the next 45 seconds. I think it would be a lot of fun. Uh, Speaking of Joey Votto, the last couple days, he's had a couple of dust-ups with Ron Wick of the Chicago Cubs. Uh, In the game two days ago, Wick said something to Votto after a walk with colorful language. Uh, He he said what Wick told reporters was nice bat flip, except we also know by looking at the replay of it that he added a 12-letter word, Carl, Uh, And it led to a back and forth. When Votto got to first, he started yelling at Wick, like, come on. Well, then yesterday, you had Wick pitching to Votto, and this happened.
1: Swing and a miss.
2: Votto done on strikes. And Votto has some words as he goes a third of the way down the line.
3: Contreras exchange words. Votto drops the back. Contreras strides toward Votto. Votto's taking the gear off. Contreras taps him on his hip. Delano to Shields coming in, hand motioning Contreras to get away. The umpires now intercede. And Rowan Wick, who had started walking away, twisted back. He stopped by an umpire. Left side of the circle.
0: So what happened, Carl, was that after the strikeout, you know, Votto swings and misses, and he drops his head. He starts moving toward first base, because at the end of the half-inning, and Wick looks right at him and yells, "F yeah!" And then Votto's like looking at Contreras like, "Really? We're going to do this again? I hope somebody talks to Wick and say, "Can you please check yourself? You got a future Hall of Famer that you're yelling at. Get o- get over yourself. What would you think of all that?"
2: I, I, you know, I think that I think that Joey Votto's uh, current personality and his social media and things like that which I honestly love. Uh, I appreciate the personality. I, I think there are there are times where you're going to venture out there and you're going to invite some type of reaction. And I think that in the case of Votto, he hit a home run, um, and then there was then there was the ball thrown at him. And even Joey acknowledged, like this is part of the game. Like it can be a more enjoyable part of the game in in an odd way. He seems to be suggesting this is okay, this is what we've grown up with. Let's not overreact to it, but I didn't want to sit there and be be screamed at, and I'm going to scream back, and other nights I won't. And I I think that there's all sorts of, and for some reason, having Wick be the last name of the guy that lit the fuse or was involved with the fuse being lit, there's something there too. Um, But I I think Joey's in a position – to to play to it to ignore it and last you know this this series feels like yeah i'm all in on it but what, what the heck we're not going anywhere as a team i'm continuing to this isn't a brand identity thing but sure this will be another another layer to the joey Votto 2022 uh personality which again i embrace I, i'm i'm good with it and that's competition i, I we started with the celtics lakers you, you don't think that stuff was going on when they were playing i mean I, i'm whatever it is what it is I'm good with it and by the way those two teams doesn't hurt doesn't hurt their game they they, they can afford it they need it they they're they're not they're really not a, a great thing to go watch if you're playing nine innings and you don't have anything going on I'm fine with it lighten it up yeah fire I, it up
0: I love what Votto said afterward he basically said in so many words I didn't feel like being quiet after that like you exactly. said he had yelled at and he's like oh yeah yeah he, he so I'm supposed to sit there and take it well, he starts yelling back at him and then the thing goes on. Last one for you. Uh, the Red Sox offense, Trevor Story, seven homers in seven days. It has been a complete turnaround, not only for Trevor Story, but the uh, the entire offense, Carl. Uh, from April 8th to May 9th, they were 10 and 19. They had a 228 batting average, 279 on base percentage, 342 slugging percentage. A total of 16 home runs in those 29 games. They averaged 3.3 runs per game. And folks like me were talking about, well, you know what? Will they trade Xander Bogarts? Will they do a sell-off? Because right. they look awful. The last 15 games, they're batting 303 as a team. 369 right. on base percentage, 528 slugging, 26 homers. They're averaging 7.5 runs per game during these 15 games. What do you make of all that?
2: Well, I think I think there's a couple of things going on. I'm not going to subscribe to the Alex Cora shaving the beard, and that was a difference maker. But we all know baseball, and when there's something that changes, if that's going to turn the, the ship around, perfect. Then that's what it is. A Cora shaved, and now we're we're playing better. Uh, the, he also alluded to the fact that we are being um, not selective nearly enough. We're not swinging the pitches in the zone. We're not making hard contact, and all of those things flipped when they became a little more patient plate. They forced the pitchers to throw the ball in the zone, and and Trevor Story is being Trevor Story. Uh, you know, if if nothing else, the tap on the shoulder for all of us involved with baseball has been: this is 162 games, not 40 games. Uh, Dansby Swanson could not hit when the season started. He's one of the hottest hitters in baseball. He's certainly one of the hottest Braves. The Red Sox were awful. Trevor Story was was being set to be shipped out of town back to Colorado. Trevor Story is still Trevor Story. J, and, and in the Red Sox case, it's contagious. J.D. Martinez in 22 games in the month of May is hitting 443, 485, 670 with four homers and 13 RBIs. What a story. Have 21 runs batted in in seven games story's going to, going to break Ted Williams record for RBIs in a month. Um, those guys are good hitters, like great hitters. They don't just forget how to do it. And the same way Miguel Cabrera delivered a big clutch hit last night for the Tigers. Like they may, they may slide. And I don't think Story's there yet. JD maybe may not be because of his, his age, but he's certainly hitting like JD Martinez has always hit. Like, Give it time and, and don't over, you know, baseball's so good at overreacting. These teams, these individuals, there's a reason that they are getting the money. They're not flops. This isn't a 23-year-old kid who signed a big deal and you're like, oh, God, maybe that was too early to jump on this bandwagon. These these are all veteran guys. And the, the old saying of trust the back of the baseball card, I'm in on that. And, again, there's certain teams that I think, we as people in the media and doing Sunday Night Baseball benefit from when they are good. The Phillies are one of them. The Braves are one of them. The White Sox are another one. It would be great if the Cubs were good. The Red Sox certainly are one of those teams.
0: Yeah, and the Red Sox now 21 and 23. They could be back over 500 by the end of the weekend. With the uh, Orioles. Town. Get, with yeah. the Orioles. Oh, there you Here go. you go.
2: This, this is it.
0: <laughs> All right, Carl. Uh, I look forward to that conversation with Pete Alonso on Sunday. Me too. See you, Buster. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NextGuard Plus, a foxaloner, Moxydectin, and pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks prevents heartworm disease. Plus, it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, 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 with nothing on your roof. Call one 800 directtv or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on Sports Networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Jumping into the numbers.
1: This is Hembo Knows on Baseball Tonight.
0: Hembo, of course, is Paul Imbikides, a researcher at ESPN, who is a honcho on the show Get Up. And Hembo, um, you know, every year you make really crazy picks. Like you had Albert Pools hitting, what, 80 home runs this year or something like that. I I picked (laughs) Dylan Cease to win the American League Cy Young Award. I'm feeling pretty smart about that. And you should, Buster. Despite the fact
4: that his run prevention isn't quite there, I'm going to give you one number that I think you'll really like that's illustrative of sort of the dominant pitcher that he has become. But I'm going to take you back a few years to get there first. Because there are any number of reasons why peak Pedro Martinez was the best pitcher I ever saw. But the number one reason, for my money at least, was the difference in velocity between that overpowering fastball and his off-speed mix. Enter Dylan season. Buster, you tweeted about this a few weeks ago. Right now, there is an 18.5 mile per hour difference between his fastball and his changeup. That is the largest gap of its kind by nearly three miles per hour in baseball this season. He ranks seventh in average fastball velo and dead last, 52nd among 52 qualified pitchers in average changeup velo. That obviously has just made him unhittable. He's on pace to have the highest strikeout rate in his league for the second straight season, like I said, I think the run prevention will come around. And the Cy Young Award, I think, is well within his grasp.
0: Yeah, I think casual baseball fans are going to get to know his name uh, sometime this year or next year. But he is right on the cusp of being a superstar. All right, uh, if Dylan Cease is one of the main candidates American League Cy Young Award, there's no doubt that the front runner, in my opinion, right now for American League MVP would be Aaron Judge. Uh, He bet on himself big, turning down the $213.5 million offer from the New York Yankees. Uh, People around baseball thought he was crazy. He's going to go into free agency in the fall. And already a lot of people are wondering who is going to be in position to take a a run at him as a free agent. Yeah, so Buster, I have taken the
4: role of odds maker here. And I have identified the top three teams in the Aaron judge, sweepstakes, based on a variety of factors. I'm still going to put the Yankees as the odds-on favorite to land him because they have exclusive negotiating rights until the day that he hits free agency. He knows he can hit there. He knows the fan base adores him there, and he knows the impact that being a Yankee will have on his legacy. And so because he's a Yankee, to me, they still have to be first. Number two on my list is the Giants. I would describe the Giants buster as a behemoth lying in wait. Aaron Judge. They have only $413 million on the books in the future. The only teams with less money are Oakland, Cincinnati, Kansas City, and Pittsburgh. Buster Buster Posey, obviously the retirement there means they don't really have a face of the franchise right now, and he has that massive power to overcome their pitcher-friendly ballpark. That makes perfect sense to me. And the third team, Buster, that I'll give you is the Chicago Cubs. Now, we know they like to play poor, but Aaron Judge, I think, would accelerate their rebuild and really supercharge that fan base. They rank twenty second in future payroll allocation, which sort of renders them another big market team with financial flexibility. I say Yankees, Giants, and Cubs in that order. Buster only. What say you?
0: Yeah, you surprised me. I thought you were going to drop the Mets in there at some point. I just don't. Uh, and believe me, that is a big conversation here on New York Talk Radio. Uh, here, here, where I where I live. And I'm like, I just don't – I think the Mets have other needs. They have other priorities. And here's the other thing, too, and, and one reason why I don't think he's going to wind it back with the Yankees. I think your list is perfectly reasonable. I wonder if internally the conversation within the Yankees organization is like, look, we gave a great offer to Aaron Judge relative to what other players at that, that age have been offered. He said no, which is totally his right. You know what? The guy that maybe we should have our eyes on moving forward – is Juan Soto. Save your ammunition financially for Juan Soto. Does that make sense?
4: It does, especially because Aaron Judge doesn't profile as the kind of player, frankly, who is likely to age especially well. And Brian Cashman's a smart guy. He's not going to pay Aaron Judge for value that he has generated. He's going to be paying for future value. And given the fact that there's never been a player in history that big, uh, especially play the outfield, I wouldn't be at all surprised if they don't move off their mark.
0: Who's the most lethal
4: weapon in baseball? Buster, the most lethal weapon in baseball is the left arm of Josh Hader. I'm going to give you some numbers that that astonished me this morning, and I hope they'll have the same impact on our audience. He's converted 30 straight saves, which is the longest active streak of its kind. He's thrown 35 consecutive scoreless innings, which is the longest active streak of that kind. Buster, since he last allowed a run, which was July 28th of last year, the League is batting 087 against him. Buster the League is 10 for their last 115 against Josh Hader, and 8 of those 10 are singles. In those 37 appearances, the Brewers are 34 and 3. To be exceedingly clear, Hader impacts winning as much as any player in the sport. The number I'll use to quantify that is win pro- is by using win probability added, WPA quantifies the percent change in a team's chances of winning from one event to the next. And by using that measure, Hader is baseball's second most impactful player at any position buster since the start of last season. Here's the top five. Shohei Otani, Josh Hader, Aaron Judge, Bryce Harper, and Rafael Devers. A relief pitcher and four superstar position players. There is no way that you can overstate the impact Josh Hader has on his team winning baseball games.
0: I'm really glad you did a note on him. I feel like I've shortchanged him this week as that uh, that dominance continues, so thanks for doing that. Mm. I was talking with Carl Ravich about the Red Sox turnaround offensively, which is pretty remarkable.
4: <laughs> Buster, a couple of weeks ago, you might recall, I did this bit on the podcast called Panic or Patience, and I said we should panic about the Red Sox. That's how badly they were performing. Well, as you identified this morning on your Twitter account, over their last 15 games, the Red Sox have scored 112 runs and hit 26 homers, it's been nearly 20 years since they had a stretch that prolific offensively. And I think the most illustrative thing here is that in the three-game series against the White Sox that they just finished, they hit 363 as a team with 33 runs on 45 hits. They played the White Sox in a three-game series earlier this month in which they hit 216 as a team with five runs on 22 hits. It has come fast. And while Trevor Story has obviously got a lot of their credit lately, it's been Devers, Bogarts, and Martinez—the two, three, four hitters that runner the ship. Buster, the collective batting average from the Red Sox two, three, four spots in the batting average this year uh, in the lineup this year is three twenty-seven. A third of their lineup is hitting three twenty-seven. right now. JD Martinez is hitting three eighty. It is unheard of in today's climate to have any collection in your order, especially that uh, you know higher percentage of your at bats with that kind of uh, production. I picked the Red Sox to make the playoffs before the season began. If they're going to hit anything close to this, they're going to make it all the way back, and it's just going to come down to, you know, can they pitch enough and can they catch enough? But we know for sure they
0: can hit enough. Yeah, I'm going to see the Red Sox play at Fenway Park next Tuesday against the Cincinnati Reds, and that feels like a a – Not a great matchup in the moment, but given how well the Red Sox are playing. And lastly, you know, the other day, the Baltimore Orioles called up the number one catching, uh, number one prospect in baseball, and Adley Rutschman, uh, someone everybody's excited about. He's got a ton of talent. It's great that he's finally in their lineup. Uh, What jumped out at me in their announcement is someone who covered the Orioles in the 90s was they said, and he will wear number 35. And my thought was, man, Mike Messina were number 35. Mike Messina, now a Hall of Famer who was drafted by the Orioles, played his first 10 years with the Orioles. And I was like, it surprised me because I thought for sure that the, the ownership would basically leave it out going forward. And look, I, I know because I was talking to Peter Angelos at the time that, uh, the, that Mike Messina signed with the Yankees, that he wasn't happy about that decision by Messina. But as you know, teams typically move on from all that rancor, and they just want to honor the best players. And so I was a little bit surprised that the Orioles backed themselves into a corner by issuing number 35 to the guy who looks like a franchise cornerstone. What do you make of all that?
4: Well, Buster, I found it unprecedented. And what you, well, the opportunity you provided me was to go on a little research project, and we asked ourselves, how common was it? for a player to play 10 seasons or especially the first 10 seasons of his career for a franchise wind up in the hall of fame and not have his number retired. You thought it'd be unprecedented and you wind up being right buster, but since 1940, went back down to back to you know world war II territory here. So since 1940, there are 106 instances in which a hall of fame player spent at least 10 seasons with a team. And to date, a hundred of those players, a hundred of one Oh six have had their numbers retired with those teams. Now, Two of those six players, Jim Cott and Gil Hodges, will have their numbers retired this summer because they just went into the Hall of Fame. And the four others can be explained off fairly easily. So it is impossible to reconcile the fact that the Orioles gave number 35 to the player they're betting on being the next face of their franchise. This is not just another guy. This is a slap in the face to Mike Mousina. There is no way around it. You've gotten way ahead of this conversation. I've seen throughout the course of the week this sort of chatter grow in this respect after you started the conversation. But look, Mike Mussina is, I think, the second best pitcher in the history of that franchise. He's a Hall of Famer that devoted the first half of his career to that franchise, and for my money at least, it is inexcusable that they've elected to go this route. And look, I'm as excited about Adley Rushman as all the fans are, but as as someone who was born in Baltimore in the year 1990, frankly, this pisses me off.
0: Taylor, I want to hear your vote on this and how you feel about it, because I just... I just thought what they would do is just give him a different
3: number and, and then leave them the out sometime down the road to potentially retire the number. What did you think, Buster? You are—that's—that's that's a pretty big thought of yours because you're thinking that the Orioles have any sort of foresight at all in you know honoring people and all that. No, it's totally fine with me. I don't—I don't particularly care. I, I mean, I understand where you guys are coming from, but uh, I'm just much more focused on on Adley being the guy. Yeah, no big deal to me. Okay.
0: Cool. All right uh hembo thanks for doing this taylor thanks for chiming in later man
2: r-e-l-a-x
0: after josh donaldson referred to tim anderson as jackie and after donaldson was suspended anderson spoke with Bamani jones give a listen
1: ladies and gentlemen welcome to the right time My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. Also, thanks for joining us on YouTube. Uh, This is the week, time of week, where we normally have a guest join us. Coming to us live from Chicago, Illinois, number seven for the Chicago White Sox, Tim Anderson. Tim, uh, it's been an interesting weekend and change. Is that fair to say?
6: Yeah, so how we doing? You doing all right? <laughs> hey, man,
1: dude, I'm all good, man. So, I like, how did we get here, right? I like, guess it was actually funny. I was on the phone with a colleague, and he had seen the dust up in the game, I guess it was on Saturday, and he's mm-hmm. like, I just can't figure out, what, like, what's going on with Tim Anderson and Josh Donaldson? Like, this doesn't seem to even be anything to do with him. And then I saw the post-game stuff and sent him the link and was like, oh, okay, this is what's going on. So from your side, how did this all play out?
6: Um, you know, I can say it started back in, you know, 2019, you know, he made that comment, you know, then, you know, I told him, I was like, bro, we ain't never got to speak, you know, you ain't, you ain't never got to talk to me if that's how you're going to label me. But that goes back to, you know, off of an interview I had did, you know, not necessarily comparing myself to him, but, you know, I was saying that, you know, he broke the color barrier and, uh, you know, that year in 2019, I did the bat flip and, uh, you know, so I was like, you know, I'm breaking the fun barrier. And you know, a little bit after that, a lot of guys' personality starts showing. You start seeing more more bat flips, and uh, you know, that wasn't really comparing myself to him. So, uh, you know, I guess he had the needs to, you know, try to say that coming to me, but you know, I wasn't really interested in, you know, making that an inside joke. You could say,
1: yeah, I think the thing that for people as they were observing it was he was like, oh, we've been joking about this. This is a thing that we've done for years. I don't know why it is a problem right now. So, but it sounds yeah. like to you. It happened this one time and you said, don't do that. And then it happened again. But it doesn't sound like you remember anything in the middle.
6: Yeah, I had had already addressed it in in, in 19 when we played against him in Atlanta. And, uh, you know, yeah, he signed two, three year deal in Minnesota. You know, you know how many times we played him in our division. That never happened. You know, yet we, you know, I think two weeks ago, I slid back into third. And, uh, you know, he dropped his knee on me. And, uh, you know, I mean, he could have damaged my arm, shoulder, anything. So, you know, I was I was kind of frustrated a little bit. So I pushed him off me. That was it, you know, nothing, nothing really, you know, serious about that. So I guess he was still carrying over that same smoke from, you know, from then. And I wasn't, you know, really, I wasn't really, you know, really trying to bother, the dude. And you know, uh, he kind of, you know, he kind of said that coming as well. You know, when we got to New York, and uh, but it happened so quick. He said in the first inning, and then right after he got on second, somebody got a base hit, so he scored, and so he got back on base again and came back around, and it was the end of the inning. It was the third out. And as you can see the video of me, you know, trying to walk off the field, you know, he said again, you know, like, you know, we can go whenever you get ready. And I was like, you know, you know, meet me in a tunnel. you know, I already been in a lot of trouble, you know, from just, you know, I stuck in the middle finger. And, you know, so I wasn't really trying to, you know, trying to, you know, get in too much, you know, get in too much trouble because, you know, they kind of spared me a little bit. and did get a suspension. You know, I just talked to a couple of people and, you know, made it right.
1: So, like, I was curious. What were you thinking when you heard him do the post game and say that it was an inside joke? Because I think one of your teammates made the point that I was thinking, which is inside jokes are normally between friends.
6: Right. Yeah, that, that was a joke. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it, it we don't have no relationship to, you know, to be able to have an inside joke. Never look for a relationship, never look for a friendship, never look for anything, you know, besides just competing against you. Um, you know, we never really had a conversation. Uh, you know it all, and uh, you know really wasn't looking for it, especially after nineteen. You know I told him that you know we ain't never got to talk. I ain't never got to talk to you, and let's just keep it at that. You you never said anything to me before then, so don't say nothing to me now.
1: Were you surprised by how strong Tony LaRusso was in his response to this?
6: You know, knowing our relationship, I wasn't you know really surprised. You know, um, you know, you always got my back. You know, we 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 built you know strong. We have a strong bond. Um, you know, but on the most, for the most part, I would say that it was, it was, you know, it was disrespectful. We always say disrespectful, you know, we didn't find it as a joke. And, um, and as you can see, you know, my teammates and, you know, uh, the organization, you know, they definitely, you know, have my back. They know what kind of person I am. You know, they, they know what I go through on a day-to-day basis and, uh, you know, they understand it.
1: I appreciate it, man. Cause it was with the Josh Donaldson thing. It was so interesting when I was watching it. And I was just like, oh, I know exactly what happened here. Yeah. He thinks we joking. Yeah. He doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't realize that he had been told, bro, we yeah. not joking.
6: It wasn't a joke. We were serious. And, you know, when I, when I get mad, you know, I don't, really, I don't really be bothering people. man. I be standing on myself and just, you know, doing my thing. I don't really, you know, I really pick with people. And, you know, yeah, it's just one of those things that did for me a little bit. You know, I didn't really like it. I didn't really want to play like that after I already addressed it. And, you know, it don't, it don't happen again, for, you know, for two or three years in, in Minnesota. But, yeah, you get to New York, you know, now you want to, you know, now you want to push the button again. I thought I already addressed it and told you that, you know, that ain't the vibe. That ain't cool.
1: I One last thing on that before we wrap this up is there are not as many people as there used to be black people playing baseball, but there are really not that many black people covering baseball. So being Tim Anderson and dealing with the media and the people that come in the clubhouse on a regular basis, like in a situation like this, do you feel uncomfortable or like a difficulty in dealing with media? Because I think there are a lot of people who, even if they mean well, they can't see what I can see when they look at this because they don't have that experience. And so how does that affect you when it's time to talk to media about this stuff? Because you ultimately do have to do it.
6: Yeah. I mean, you just be very careful with, you know, with how you word things, you know, nowadays, and especially with so many media outlets in the locker room, you just got to be smart with, with what you say. And don't forget that you always the driver of the conversation, that you always drive whatever the topic is. You can give them what you really want or you can give them less. You know, I gave them less. I just touched on it, but I knew that I was going to link with you, that I'll be able to be comfortable in a comfortable setting to be able to, you know, really tell what's really going on. So it's just the fact of, You know, you always control the situation and however you want to go about it, you choose. And that's something that I've been, you know, very good and and, and very selective on is picking and choosing as who I want to talk to. And that's why I wrote you. I was like, you know, let's chop it up because I know that I could be comfortable and I could really have a good conversation bouncing off of you to really, you know, let the people understand, you know, where I'm coming from and, and what I mean.
1: Well, dude, I greatly appreciate it. And since you weren't able to say it before, I'll just say here to you, Mr. Michael Pineda. Apparently you don't want no problems uh, with Tim Anderson. This 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 hey. hasn't this hadn't worked out so well for you. Let's, let's see let's see let's, let's yeah. see who else. Oh Nick Pavetta. No Nick Pavetta, you doing all right? But Ian Kennedy.
6: Ooh yeah. man.
1: Oh yeah. Daniel, wasn't going so good for Felix Hernandez either. You can put that yeah. on your Hall of Fame plaque.
6: Yeah, you can put Matthew Boyd up there too.
1: <laughs> on the other hand, you got to do something better with Eduardo Rodriguez.
6: You know, that's probably before I even knew, you know, knew my stuff. You know, now I know my stuff. I'm in a good spot. I know my homework and I learned. So, you know, time presents itself again, then, you know, I'll be ready. You know, I ain't going to say what's going to happen. But, you know, I'll be I'll be well prepared. I'll be real prepared now. Bleacher Tweets.
3: Alrighty, Buster. Bleacher tweets for a fine holiday weekend Friday. And we got two tweets here. Julian at I heart your stone writes in have the Red Sox turned a corner after thumping their Sox counterparts from Chicago. Nothing excites the bats like a good knife twisting from the rev. Lots of knife twisting from Red Sox fans from uh, to me, which I suppose I deserve.
0: Yeah, you are cited for <laughs> turning around the Red Sox
3: season, uh, Taylor.
2: How about that?
3: That really depresses me. And then uh, if the Celtics make the NBA Finals, like I'm just going to be apoplectic. I can't stand those Boston teams. God damn it, Buster. <laughs> uh, last one for the week. Reggie, our friend, a baseball nerd, a weather nerd, baseball Yoda, WX, writes in Buster, if you are running the Mets after this road trip and more pitching injuries, are you more worried after coming home for six with the Phillies and Nats? It's Dodger, at Dodgers for four, at Padres for three, at Angels for three, and home for the the brewers for three more woof that's a that's a slate right there
0: yes the schedule is brutal coming up for the mets but they also have the biggest lead of any team in baseball and yes they believe that jacob Degrom is going to have an impact this year and max scherzer will be back i know once he gets through that uh
3: what six to eight week timeline that they talked about when he went down with an injury all righty that does it for bleacher tweets hashtag bleacher tweets On Twitter, while you're watching games all weekend, we will not have a show on Monday. We'll be back on Tuesday, likely with Tim Kirkshin, and definitely on YouTube. So subscribe to ESPN's YouTube page to watch Buster and friends mix it up.
0: That's it for today. My thanks to Carl, to Jess, to Hembo, to Sarah, and Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. And now, two pigeons bemoaning
2: the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. TV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry?
1: Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Requires Gemini device and additional paid subscriptions to watch Netflix and other third-party apps. Terms and restrictions apply.